On this AirCheck episode, Paul and I continue our conversation with national television and radio voiceover pro Greg O'Brien, the OB. This is part two of our four-part series with Greg O'Brien, where we find out how Greg approaches putting his voice to a radio commercial. More specifically, how he assembled the various voiceover projects he was tasked at Bill Young Productions. Plus, we find out the advice he received from then-WDHA program director Mike Boyle and how it impacted Greg. Plus, Greg's first real radio gig at WPDH Impact. Poughkeepsie, New York, following his WNEW internship. Let's do it. Welcome to AirCheck Season 4, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities, managers, consultants, owners, and your most humble hosts from Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. When we last spoke with Greg, he told the story when he first began to use his voice for entertainment. Even as a child, I could mimic things that I saw on TV or heard on radio. Greg shared his early New York radio influences. We had WABC, we had WMCA and WINS. They had so many great personalities. When and where he began his first radio internship. I decided I was going to intern at a station. And it just so happened that I interned at WNEW in New York City. And his love for the perfect commercial. I wanted to make every spot that I did sound like a national commercial. Here he is again, Greg O'Brien, the OB. Greg, as you know, Paul and I have also been production directors at radio stations, and the task of creating a good quality spot, as we say, is paramount. Everybody approaches it a little different, but the idea is to create and deliver a message to the client's satisfaction. So talk a little bit about your process. When you're creating a commercial, what are you thinking about? When you're sitting in a production studio and you're trying to figure out how you would capture their attention is to be unique. Be yourself. I know a lot of people hear that. Be yourself. Being yourself is unique. All our voices are different. We bring something. Are you telling a story? Are you being you? Are you believable? And that's the big thing. I mean, sometimes you you see commercials that uh, could be parodied. They have a, a, a funny voice. You know, what would you do for a Klondike bar? What would you do for a Klondike bar? What would you do, ma'am? Oh, I'm waiting for my husband. I can stand here. Okay, stand there. Just stand here for a Klondike? Uh-huh. I don't have to act like a monkey. Rich <laughs> chocolate ice And I did like do one of those spots. And um, sometimes you, you try to... You try not to copy, but you have this vision in your head how you would do it. Sometimes it's just you look at the copy and you're just in a you're in a mood and something comes out and it's just like, oh, it's different. It's unique. Budweiser Reserve Copper Lager, a rich lager aged on Jim Bean bourbon barrel staves. That's the biggest thing I can say is when you're sitting there looking at a spot, what is the story you're going to tell? How are you going to tell it? And how is it going to be unique? Greg, I'm learning a lot today. Um, (laughs) I mean, the process of, you know, you're showing up for your day at Bill Young uh, Concert Productions there in Houston, Texas. You walk in, the studio is your office, and essentially you have a blank canvas. Because I'm sitting here thinking, somebody already wrote the the voiceover text for him. He just has to read it, and somebody else is going to throw all the music under it. No, so you actually wrote the voiceover text, right? 
What happened daily of going into audio production post house would be you would get an order. Now, sometimes they'll give you information that they want in the spot, but they give you the song. Sometimes they give you the songs they want in. Sometimes it's up to you. If you have a good knowledge of music, a good knowledge of that band, or here, we need a 60 second and a 30 second spot. You have to come up with the flair. One thing about doing concert spot is the music that you create, the music track or, you know, the music bed, that should be able to sit on its own. And you are just adding the little pizzazz other than date, venue, time, or ticket information. You come up with all this, you know, um, you create it, you send it off. Now, a lot of times when you're dealing with these um, agencies like CAA or uh, William Morris or, you know, you're dealing with these agents and they'll come back and say, no, I want to change this. They could change things so many times before the actual spot is delivered to the markets and it could get a little crazy. Because you would have, you might have a stack of orders as far as we need a spot for Fleetwood Mac. We need a Rolling Stone spot. We need a Billy Joel spot. We need a Coheed and Cambria spot. You could have, you know, five or six of them sitting there and they all need it yesterday. <laughs> of course. And again, you have to build it, which when we say build it, build the track, the music bed for 60 and a 30, sometimes a 15, a 10. And your brain has to start working and say, how am I going to introduce this? Because the first five seconds of anything, whether it's a spot, whether it's a demo, sets the pace. You know, how are you going to open that spot? Sometimes they'll give you all of, they might give you an intro. We want it to sound like this. And you give them that. Maybe you're you're also building a spot that somebody else will voice. You know, your voice might not be perfect for this. I was lucky enough that I had a wide range of voices that I could, you know, I could do a, a, a heavy Aussie spot. Available for the first time ever on DVD. It's Speak of the Devil from Ozzy Osbourne. I'm doing of the 1982 Diary of a Madman Tour. The DVD includes early Aussie classics, Crazy Train, and turn right around and do a Keith Urban spot. Variety is the spice of life, and we've got the spiciest music mix. Ooh, hot, hot. Oh, it burns. From the 90s to now, US 101, Chattanooga's number one for country. You know, just know how to use your range and tone of your voice. All that stuff that I did at BYP, I had learned earlier in radio, trying to use those different ranges to sound different. And I think by the time I got to Bill Young, I knew how this type of voice would work here or this type of tone would work there. You know what I mean? I had already spent 15 years with all these crazy voices. And then with Bill Young, I got it down to where I'm really strong at that, you know, a couple of different ranges that I'm very strong at. Ballpark time frame for our you know, non-radio industry people, for you to uh, record a 60 second concert spot, start to finish the music, everything in there. Most people think, ah, oh, it would just take like what, two minutes? When you done it for a long time it, it doesn't take you that long i mean it takes longer than two minutes what you're trying to do is you're trying to match when you're creating the music bed that is the most important when i say that in concert spots 
is that should be able to stand alone. So you're making sure your edits between songs are just seamless. It's like all one song, the beats match, the songs flow together. So if you just had to put it up on the radio or on TV and didn't have any voice under it, it still sounds so smooth. And that's a difficult thing to do because sometimes you can get, I can't get these songs to work together. The management or the agent wants these two songs back to back and it's just, eh, it's not working. <laughs> And it because they're not as creative as you are, you know, they think of it, oh, it should work. Well, not necessarily. You know, I try to be the, you know, as creative as possible and want to make it sound just like I said, to stand on its own. And that takes a little bit of time. Some spots are easier to do because say you get an artist that you kind of have an idea of, of, you know, how songs work back to back. Then you get artists that you don't know, uh, you're not familiar with, and you could, you know, you have to you know, build or create a spot from artists or groups that I don't even know who these people are. How do I say this artist? How do I say it? <laughs> and the same goes when you're creating a, a spot for uh, comedians. That was another tough one. Trying to find stuff that you could use that's clean. Excuse me, I'm sorry. You know, that's a tough one. When you're talking about, Paul, like, you know, start to finish with comedians, when you're doing a tour spot for comedians, you know, sometimes their stories are long. It takes too long to get to the punchline. And it's like, how do I make this work? Some comedians tell jokes. Others are, you know, they're, they're all monologues. It all depends on who the artist is, when, uh, how much time it takes, and how, how familiar you are with them. Okay, so not two minutes. So what would be the long and what would be the short that would take you to do a spot? The longest, I would say an hour or two, because you want to make it great the first time. So you're really taking your time. And you're writing it. And you're writing it. Or, or you're not even writing it. You, what's ever coming into your head at that moment? I never wrote things down. You're painting that picture. You're, you're really I putting would, the color on there. Yeah, exactly. Nestled between the roaming hills and lush pastures is the tiny hamlet of Matthias, West Virginia. It's the epitome of what John Denver sang, Take Me Home, Country Roads. And uh, sometimes us voice guys, when uh, we were try just trying to think of something and you get stuck on the first 10 seconds of like, oh, what am I going to say to intro this? You know, you're going inside with outside smoking a cigarette, you know, or 10 or you know, with cups <laughs> of coffee. And you're just like, I can't. And we'd all sit around sometimes at, at Bill Young. We'd all uh, gather around the coffee machine. It's like, can you come up with something like this? I don't know. Can you can you think of this? <laughs> and it was like, oh, let's trade copy. <laughs> yeah. And it was sometimes you did, you know, um, and it's, oh, that's good. You read something uh, in a magazine that just, there's a line in it that uh, you just say, oh, I could use that for the intro or I could use this for the middle part of this. It can come from anywhere. It's like a songwriter. You know, it's like sometimes it just comes out of the blue. Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. You're listening to season four. Catch up with seasons one, two, and three. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play AirCheck Podcast. It's a huge move 
going for an internship in you know, the mid to late 80s when you're in your 20-somethings. You get the internship at NEW. Where did your first break come from following the internship? Did you uh, head up the... Uh, well, no. The, be- the throughway? Before that, I started sending demo tapes. One of my brothers was doing radio down in the Baltimore area, and he helped me put a demo together because I had no idea. I mean, we don't have what we have now, you know, where you could go on YouTube or Google it or whatever. So he helped me put a demo together. And the first person I sent a demo to was Mike Boyle at DHA out there in Randolph. New Jersey's premier rock station, WDHA FM, Dover, North Jersey. And one of the things that he did was he actually sent me back a letter and really broke down my my demo to me. And it wasn't one of these, hey, thanks for sending this in, blah, blah, blah. He really dissected and gave it a a critique that, you know, hey, you're trying too hard, blah, 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 blah. And he did it twice. He probably wouldn't remember this at all, but he was a guy that I had a lot of respect for because he really, you know, didn't sugarcoat it. He wasn't nasty or anything like that. It was, but it was so helpful to me. And he said, hey, send me some more stuff, you know, when you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, I did. Whether he knows it or not, very instrumental in getting my career jump started. That's a great story. Giving me that confident, more confidence that I needed to, uh, okay, I'm on the right track. You know, I'm not kidding myself, that type of thing. Following NEW, what was the first station that you ended up in? First station I ended up in was WPDH Poughkeepsie, New York. Rocking into the 90s, the home of rock and roll. 101.5 WPDH. I've heard of it. (laughs) Paul, you know, I was hired as uh, I sent something up and the program director at the time, uh, another very influential person in my career was Stu Shantz. He had hired me for part time. I was going to be the Friday into Saturday morning overnight. Remember those overnight? Oh, yeah. Whatever shows. That's when that's when people sleep, right? (laughs) Exactly. And the thing was, I was living in Hoboken, New Jersey. So traveling to Poughkeepsie was a good two hours, two and a half hour ride. And wintertime, that that could be a little difficult on a New York State Thruway. But I knew I had to do this. It was important. And I knew that if I, you know, was asked, hey, hey, Greg, we need somebody for tomorrow night. This is when everything was live and said, listen, you know, uh, we need somebody tonight at seven. I got off of work at, you know, four or five in Hoboken. And I'd be like, yep, I'm there. With all that traveling, didn't bother me. I says, I knew I was working on my career. So I did that for six months until they called me and said, listen, we got, we have a full-time opening for the overnight. And I took an incredible pay cut and didn't mind at all. Summer of 1988 is when I started full-time at uh, WPDH. So that's when you left the bank. That's when to... I left banking. I left everything. And, you know, this is what I knew I was good at. I loved doing it. And there was, I just, uh, and there was no question. This is what I was meant to do. Talk a little bit about that radio group there in Poughkeepsie. When you started there, it was owned by a company called Crystal Radio Group. They owned WPDH. And while you were there, ended up acquiring some other stations. Yeah. And you knew the owner personally because it was locally owned. Yeah. Rob Dyson owned it from the 80s through the... 2000s and uh you know this was a radio station radio group 
Yeah, an hour and a half away from New York City, but operated like it was New York City. I mean, major market, promotion items, uh, the promotional vehicles that would go out for parades, concerts, giveaways. Talk about some of those days of of Crystal Radio Group, WPDH. the, The great thing about that station, all of us never treated it like a small market radio station. We were a 50,000 watt flamethrower with the incredible group of people, whether it was jocks, sales, upper management, we all had that idea. We are as big as any station and we treated it like that. And we were constantly out. We had, again, when you have ownership management right in that building, most of the time we could do anything. We could go to the owner and say, listen, this is, we need this, we need that, blah, blah, blah. We got it, but it had to make sense, of course. The amazing thing about that group of people that we had for so many years was it was a family. You know, people use the word or phrase family around a lot. This was a family. Or as Paul's brother, who was our consultant at the time, Tom Kelly, called us, you know, a great dysfunctional radio family. (laughs) And it was um, everybody was on the same wavelength. We worked together. And we also played together because we really did enjoy each other's company. And we had a lot of fun. When you're doing something you love, it's never work. And we all loved what we did. We had an incredible morning show that, you know, anchored the whole day. Waking up at the Wolf with uh, Bob Wolfeld. We called him Bob Wolf because it was easier to say. Uh, John Tobin. And Mad Mike Colvin, who um, happens to be... uh, we're still friends to this day, very close friends. Meanwhile, the New York Daily News reports 40,000 people have ordered OJ's controversial home video. That has the morning team at this upstate New York radio station very unhappy. Do not buy the OJ video. Lay off the tape. We are giving you the tape for free. DJ Bob Wolf doesn't want OJ to profit, so he says he will buy the tape and make copies for anybody who asks. The fax machine is heating up with requests. Please send me the OJ tape. I can't wait to see how a liar tells his story. And we're in touch with radio stations that are friends of ours across the country, hoping that they'll do the same thing. Is this all legal? Well, they're not worried for now. If they stop us dead in our tracks, hopefully we would have generated enough ill will towards the whole production that no one's going to buy it anyway. And if it turns out that there is a legal problem with this, we're just going to get Johnny Cochran to represent us in court and we'll get off. And that show was on for a number of years and was incredibly popular, incredibly popular. Number one all the time. Um, And it was the it was the anchor of our radio station that people still talk about. It was one of those things where, wow, this everything is working together. Now, it wasn't perfect, but it all worked together. It was to say magical, all right, that sounds kind of corny, but it was. And, and Paul, you were up there for, for a while, and you knew about, you know, the personality of that station. Yeah, my brother Tom, who you referenced before, he gave me a, a word of advice going in there. He says, it's a great group of people. You have to understand everybody has a real strong, healthy level of disrespect for everybody. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And that pretty much that pretty much set the tone. But you know, and, and I'll tell you one story. Uh, and this is not to uh, make Tom Kelly's head any bigger than it is. Is uh, 
he was the consultant of the station. He wasn't one of these people that came in and told you, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong about, you know, he would take jocks individually and have meetings with him. Says, what would you like to do? Here's what would make you even better. And that also helped with our community because sometimes, you know, consultants were always looked at as, oh, they're tearing our station apart. They're doing this. <laughs> but Tom really had a, at that time, really had a very calm influence and really helping us. It, again, it wasn't us against them. He really brought, uh, he was part of that also that, you know, kept it together, especially the, the us air personalities who could get, you know, get a little crazy. Your brother Tom getting some love from the OB. Yeah, but what my brother Tom said about PDH was true. All kidding aside, PDH was a fun place. On our next episode with Greg, part three of four, Greg gets upgraded from WPDH to run the sister station, WRRV. We also find out how Greg and I end up meeting as we both find ourselves on the radio in New York City at Pure Rock Q104.3. Greg also recounts the moments he decided to take a leap of faith and leave the New York metro area to pursue his voiceover career in Houston with Bill Young Productions. You can follow us, stream, and download every episode of Air Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to... Play Air Check Podcast. If you haven't done so, give us a great rating. We'd also love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Air Check Me. This is Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. We'll talk to you soon. Closing out another episode of Air Check, a podcast about radio's personality from radio personalities. If you have radio stories to share, we'd love to hear from you. Join the Air Check guest list. Email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props are Chris Gordon's. Announcer props, I'll take those. Greg O'Brien, the OB. Air Check is available now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also tell your smart speaker to play Air Check Podcast. Air Check is the creation of RDPK Productions.